0: This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent,
1: and we are back up, and I sound like shit. Do you have the that new Omarosa var, variant? I don't know what this is, but it's not pleasant. But the show must go on. I've been hacking and coughing all night. My throat hurts. I sound like shit. But we're gonna do this anyway.
0: I I like it. It kind of has a little rasp to it, like you're a like I expect you to start singing some like blues music and just give us that buttery tone. So this is the Jack Luna version of
1: Ken Chungus. <laughs> It's real good. That, maybe that's why I like it. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep my throat hydrated throughout this. Uh, I suspect I'll be cutting a lot of coughs out in editing, and we're going to do this anyway. Yeah, i the, the, the listeners won't hear any of the coughing, though. Don't worry about that. We'll, yeah, just we'll me. Just me. Uh, to kick this off, I want to know what is the most, how did that get there moment you've ever had in your life? Like when you've come across something Or maybe somebody you know have come across one of the most awkward things where you're like, how in the hell did that, how did that happen? I've got one. I've got one.
0: Okay. It requires a bit of a disclaimer off the front here. So what the disclaimer is, is we all know what wizards are now. Yes, that's, that's cats. Yes. I'm going to add a new one for the purpose of this story. Instead of Small dog. Let's call it a cat. We're gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say we'll call them baby seals. Baby seals. Okay. Okay. Or just so, child. Just <laughs> Actually, that'll probably pass. That'll be better. Let's call them yeah. like
1: little baby. Yeah, that would just turn a little bigger, less people for whatever it would, reason. It would.
0: Okay, little baby. Okay, little baby. Okay, so. I was a missionary, and I had this. uh, So, if you've ever seen missionaries driving around or riding their bikes or anything, they're always in pairs, right? So, I got paired up with this giant cowboy from Wyoming, and he's he was like six foot four, swore like a trucker, hit me all the time, um, just a just a really big monster. I don't really know I why love he this was guy already. Yeah. And he was a missionary too. It was weird. It was just like such a contrast, but it was hilarious. I, lo- I really liked the guy, but except for when he was punching me. Anyway, so we are at this lady's house in Montgomery, Alabama, this one time. And we're sitting there on her couch and she, we're, we're sharing the message of Jesus to her. And she has this dog that just... Oh, no, I'm sorry. She has this baby that crawled in the room and it would not stop barking at us this baby barks it was like and it was small very punt size
1: let me ask you this if this little baby let's say just hypothetically speaking if if it were a a, a dog uh-huh w- would the baby have been a chihuahua it would have it, it would, wouldn't okay. have. Yeah. And yeah that's all hypothetical Yes, this just is a human this. child. This is a little yeah. human baby.
0: Human child with just you know an overly developed cranium, like you'd expect on a doll, on a baby that's a doll that looks like a Chihuahua, and just just yapping in the way, just and aggressive too, aggressive. And I didn't know that about Chihuahua, but they can be kind of aggressive. I mean, babies, they can be kind of aggressive. So yap 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 This thing bites my missionary companion's pant leg like three times lady and the lady's just like, Oh, oh, cooter, 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 get out. I can't get out of my cooter. And I'll never forget. She named her dog cooter and that's disturbing. Also, okay. So this one time she's like, I got to get a drink. So she gets up off the couch, waddles out of the, out of the room. This dog just it just, it just becomes the defender of the universe. Once the lady's out of the room, it's like you oh you think you oh you think it was bad and then now watch out. And so this this baby this is a
1: dog. You just
0: said this dog. Oh no, I'm sorry, sorry, I was thinking of another story. There's a baby, and it's just now it's <laughs> intensified. It's rap, 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 rap. and my missionary companion, this giant man with like banana hands, just reaches down and goes boop. With you know, he flicks it like, yeah. get out, get out of here. And he flicked it with his banana hand, middle finger, you know, thumb, thumb, middle finger flick, right on the forehead, right between its eyes. <laughs> killed that baby. <laughs> just, he killed it. Bloop. We got, okay, okay. To be honest, I don't know if it died. It just went completely. For for a hundred percent sure if nothing else it either put either knocked it out or put it in a coma <laughs> so it gets worse it gets worse so this baby he's just like thump and boop just out
1: like like no more barking and hold on you you guys came to this lady's house <laughs> uninvited and uh, i just want to say i have no part in this uninvited yes Knocked on her door. Said, you, you guys came to this lady's house. She's just enjoying her day, yeah. Not wanting to talk about religion, right? And then two strangers show up unannounced yeah. and uninvited, yeah. and come into her house, and yeah. then knock her dog out, knock her baby out. Yeah, just knock, knock her that ba- baby out. And then out. knock her baby out.
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then uh, she had the you know the kind of couch. It was like that pattern. That they use on buses. So if you've ever wondered why the pattern looks so crazy on bus fabric seats, it's because they they hide all stains. So you could literally throw up on one of those seats and it would no look no different than the one next to it. Anyway, chaos pattern on her couch. A uh, big giant ruffle down by your ankles, you know. Oh, so my yeah. so my Wyoming cowboy idiot of a missionary companion just kind of takes his foot and goes shoop. And slides the dog under the couch with his foot just. <laughs> and then make sure the ruffles not showing. And then we were there. She came back in. He feigned some like, oh, man, we got to go. Oh, we just realized we got a thing. And so we were out of there. We And I, we never went back. So how did that get there? I don't know if that dog, st- if that baby, just so you know, can Cut out any dog that we say.
1: (laughs) I'm just going to leave them in. Yeah, Uh, I do find it ironic, however, that you showed up at that place hoping to secure your place in heaven, and (laughs) accidentally secured your place in hell. Yes. All right. It
0: didn't. It was not how I decided I was going to do that morning, but um, hence. Yeah, so I don't know, like, I still in my heart spirit wonder, I'm like, wonder if it was in it. like 10 minutes later, the dog, the baby wakes up, it's like, what the heck, you know, comes out from underneath the couch, or if it was an hour or never.
1: It came out doing that thing that the characters in Mortal Kombat do when you're getting ready to do a yeah. fatality on <laughs> him. Finish him. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So I pray that the baby was like woke up and was like, huh? And came out. I don't know. And if I and if it if if the baby didn't come out right away, I'm haunted by how long would it take the lady to find the baby.
1: <laughs> Probably the, the smell gave it this away. Is, this is the worst. I can't even believe I'm <laughs> I'm telling this. Especially to our audience, uh, and we should uh, elaborate we should remind the audience that Op here isn't the one that did this. It was: I did not. his best friend.):
0: <laughs> I was in, I was conscripted to this gentleman for like six months, so: yeah, I you weren't no... with him by choice. Yeah, no. Yeah. Not at all, not at all. It was well. Uh, that's
1: absolutely horrible, and I'm, and it makes me feel better about the story I'm about to tell. <laughs> so I'm glad you came in with that heat.
0: Yeah. Well, I just figure if there's any place where, I mean, you shouldn't be able to tell that story anywhere, but on 1159 Joint. Oh yeah, it's
1: free. Yeah, we just interviewed Dead Bug.
0: Yeah, I was gonna so say. I feel this like is a, we're in a, the
1: clear. We're good.
0: This is a place you guys don't let me come on brutal for one reason or another. So I thought this is
1: where I got to bring the heat. Well, I enjoyed that story, and I say that anybody that didn't, fuck them. <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm just in one of those moods this morning. Up, oh, feel like shit. <laughs> fuck them. The Omarosa talking. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Well, I mean, my story about this how did that get there moment, isn't, I, I know how it got there and I know how it got there because I'm the one that put it there, but it was a huge moment for, uh, for a guy that I knew back in 2008, I was living in a, I was living in a little duplex in a shitty little neighborhood in a place called Broadhead, Kentucky. And it's within Rockcastle County uh, where I grew up.
0: Does it still exist right now or
1: did the tornado take it away? I don't think Broadhead was affected by the tornado at, at all. Okay, no. good. And my mom actually still lives in Broadhead. So you'd uh, know, unless you haven't talked to your mom in a while. I hope she's okay. Um, but yeah, I was, living, I was living in this little duplex in Broadhead, Kentucky. And me and a couple of other guys that lived in this, little, this these little duplexes there and those in that area would drink all the time. It was kind of a matter of, you know how when you were a kid, you just played with whoever was in your vicinity Like Uh that was, you were friends by proxy. Yeah. That's kind of what this was. Only I was an adult. Okay. I was like 20, 21 years old at the time. So there was this little, these duplexes here. And I would just, we just drank with everybody that was in these duplexes. That's how we, except for Justin, this guy, Justin was a genuine friend of mine. He lived there too, but everybody else, we would just, it was like a little block party. That's fun. Every weekend. Yeah. Now, one of the guys that lived in these duplexes and I'm going to call him Arnie and you'll know why here in a minute. So, Arnie, (laughs) we'll say, we'll use that name instead of his real name. Okay. Was a wiry, like bug eyed, unpredictable, jittery little redneck. (laughs) Just so a redneck. (laughs) Picture like, uh, picture Beavis, but a redneck Beavis. Okay. Just kind of high strung a little bit. Like, (laughs) you know, like very, (laughs) he was really funny. And he was also super homophobic, like extremely homophobic, which probably is coming to the surprise of nobody considering I said he was also super redneck. Oh my gosh! And I, whenever I say he was super homophobic, I'm not virtue signaling or anything. I don't mean like, oh, he looked at a gay person weird one time, oh, burn him at the stake. No, this is legitimate homophobia. Like, you know, you thought he
0: could catch it or something kind of thing.
1: Yeah. He thought it was like something you could. Yeah. A gay yeah. person coughs in his vicinity. Oh no. Next thing he knows, he's sucking a dick in a <laughs> Applebee's <laughs> bathroom. Yeah. He, like that kind of homophobia. <laughs> but like I said, he's a wiry, jittery little little redneck dude. But he was really funny. We all fucked with Arnie a lot. We we fucked with him all the time. Harmless stuff, really. We'd break into his into his place and steal his beer. We'd eat his food out of his fridge. And he hated <laughs> cops so much, so he would never, like, call the law. So it didn't matter what we did, he would never call the law. And because he was a little dude, he would never take the matter into his own own hands I- either. So it, whenever I say it out loud, like, when I'm hearing myself say this, it kind of sounds like we were bullies.
0: <laughs> kind of. A little bit. Did you ever sing that song to him just to get him riled up? On a oh, apple breeze, on a gay guy, on a lambs on the ground. Did you ever sing
1: that to him? I didn't do that. No, but I would say like super gay shit to him all the time to make him uncomfortable. Like I'd be like, your ass is is looking great in those jeans today, Arnie. He hated it so much. But I would like do shit like that all the time to make him super uncomfortable. All the time, I would say gay shit to him um, to make him uncomfortable. He may have hated us. Actually, now that I think about it, I I never really know. But we liked Arnie, though. Yeah. We, We liked him despite his. This huge flaw in his personality of homophobia, but oh my nobody's goodness. perfect. <laughs> Anyways, wow. there was another guy that, that drank with us there in that duplex that we liked a lot. We'll call him Reggie. Okay. And uh, we were all pretty sure that Reggie was gay, closeted gay. Okay. He never told us that he was gay, uh, and we never asked him about it. It's none of our business, but we did suspect it. And uh, I, I'm still to this day, I'm pretty sure he was, which is whatever, you know? Yeah, whatever. The only person in the in the little neighborhood there that had a problem with it was Arnie. <laughs> okay, I don't care if you blow dudes. That's none of my business. Let's drink a beer. <laughs> but, you know, that being said, Reggie was three times Arnie's size. So Arnie would have never said anything anyways okay, because right. Reggie could have beat Arnie to a pulp. <laughs> so this is an interesting dynamic here. Uh, and one night we're all drinking. There was probably, a, uh, if memory serves, like seven or eight of us. And around three in the morning, Arnie, the homophobe, had decided he had enough. He stumbled into his duplex there next to mine, kicked his door open and passed out on his couch in his underwear with his front door hanging wide open. So he's he's laying face down on this couch in his underwear, passed out <laughs> completely unconscious. And, and this wasn't out of the norm. This is pretty typical Arnie behavior. This is just another knot, Honestly, his front door was open most of the time. <laughs> Earlier, I said we broke into his house. I guess that was kind of uh, that, that sounds more serious than it was. Most of the time, we just walked into his house <laughs> and stole the stuff because the door was never closed.
0: I just figured out who might have stolen
1: all of your other friend's stuff. Remember May that? have been Arnie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember that guy? Uh, yeah. Well, that guy's getting ready to make an appearance okay. right now. Yeah. Same guy. Same guy. Sweet. Justin is his name. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when we were struck. You know, we're all still having a good time. Me, Reggie, Justin, the Re- and a few others. We're struggling with what we, at the time, we considered to be the greatest practical joke ever. It, keep in mind, this is 2008. So me and my buddy, Justin, the one you just asked about, he listens to the podcast too. What's up, Justin? Hi, Justin. He's probably giggling himself shitless right now. Me and Justin, we got a condom, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And then we filled it with lotion, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not like too much lotion. I'll, I'll just like, what's a good way to, to, to describe how much lotion we put in it. Like an eye drop. Um, imagine however much how, uh, and this is just off the top of my head. However much the average man would ejaculate. That's okay. how much lotion we put into the condom. All right. Two cups. Two. Wow. Wow. You need to go see a fucking doctor. It is You're a medical marvel. It's distracting. Oh, Should have been in porn. Good God. <laughs> You're not shooting ropes. That's like chains. <laughs> so we took this condom, we filled it with lotion, and then we just walked right into Arnie's apart Arnie's little place there because the door was wide open. We gently laid it on the back of his thigh <laughs> as he lay there passed out. <laughs> Stop. Oh, gosh. Oh, then we shut the door and giggled all the way back to our duplex. There was nothing to do now, but wait. <laughs> oh, so it's the next morning. It's hot. Probably like 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're sitting, me and Justin are uh. sitting there on our front porch. It's the Kentucky heats just beating us up. We're hung over. We got headaches and we look over and we see Arnie. Stumble out of his front door into the yard He's holding his jeans up and buttoning them You know he you'd Do the hangover, like hold your hand up To try to block the sun out <laughs> He walks over to us and sits down on the Porch in front of us and he's He's kind of quiet for a minute Me and Justin are just kind of side-eyeing each other And then he, Arnie's like uh, Hey uh, Anybody come to my place after I Passed out last night? <laughs> And, of course, me and Justin, I don't think so, Arnie. You know, that last one up was Reggie. <laughs> so he was going to go check on you. And then you, but, because you know, he was worried about you because you left your door hanging open. Uh, I don't think, I, we don't think he went in, though. Oh my
0: <laughs> so um, his eyes
1: get bigger than they already normally were. <laughs> and uh, we go, well, why is everything okay, man? And he was like. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Nothing, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> and then he stood up and went back to his place. We never told him any different. Oh my we gosh. never brought it up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So to this day, there's a homophobic guy out there that probably thinks he got butt fucked, <laughs> and that's pretty funny, right? <laughs> oh
0: my goodness. <laughs>
1: Oh, he hasn't, like, killed himself or anything, right? No. Like, uh, I okay. Mean, I know I know that he was alive at least a year ago. Okay. Because I saw him. Right. So. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I have asthma now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, poor guy. Also probably deserves it, but poor guy. Oh, my goodness. My cheeks are- hurt.
1: Uh, I should also say Reggie is doing well as well. And Justin okay. is too,
0: okay, good.
1: I'd say everybody's doing well, but but Arnie <laughs> oh my goodness, oh, my face, oh man, that brings us to the story uh the topic of today's episode up, okay, I have no idea where this is going <laughs> it's uh it's gonna be an interesting one. It's one I'm excited about. uh, we're going back to November of nineteen ninety seven and to kinda get us in the mood here. What was number one at the box office? I'm not shitting you. Flubber with Robin Williams. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. I feel like this movie comes up on TCK more than it should. (laughs) Flubber with Robin Williams. That was the one that I jokingly said was, uh, I believe I said that that was a VHS that was in that trailer that I think I got molested in. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Flubber is killing it at the box office. Oh, good, good. <laughs> and right, not far behind it is Starship Troopers and Alien Resurrection. They were also slaying it. Starship wow. Troopers, probably, I will say, uh, the most quoted movie in the military, <laughs> without a doubt. I don't know how many times I heard uh, a Marine say, the only good bug's a dead bug. <laughs> so music-wise, what we're banging it out to is... and. I mean, I don't think anybody was like fucking to this song, but uh, Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Oh, really? Yeah. For whatever reason, that was at the top of the music charts. And that's a terrible song. Just an awful song. But the music video, I will say, is worth watching for the comedy value. Have you ever seen the music video? Uh, Can't say I. Nope. Can't say I have. So let me. I'll just fill you in on the music video. Uh, you need to keep in mind it was 1997. We were still figuring out a lot of things. Yeah, uh, It starts out with a motorcycle crash that kills Tony Braxton's chiseled, fucking square-jawed, abbed-up, beautiful boyfriend. Mm. And the rest of the video is Tony Braxton just reflecting on all the good times that they had. And examples include that time that she shaved his face for him and then rubbed a little on his forehead. And it was very funny <laughs> for them both. And they laughed because he had shaving cream on his forehead. I look so silly now, Tony. <laughs> Uh, She remembered that time that they played Twister together. That's in the video. I'm not making this up. This is all in the video. They played Twister in the video? They they played Twister in the video, yeah. Just a couple, a grown adult couple in the living room playing Twister. And and at one point, Tony falls, and then they laugh at each other because they're in love. They're like, oh, you fell. One hand on the brown dot. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. She remembered that time that she watched him practice karate in the front yard while his gi hung open in the wind, exposing his fucking pecs and abs. <laughs> all in one video. This is all in one video. Watch the video. I'm not kidding you. Unbreak my heart by Tony Braxton. This is the video. They played Twister one time. She rubbed shaving cream on his forehead and they, <laughs> and he practiced karate in the front yard. Those are all the good times, I guess though, because that's all we see. Uh, either that or she has a really bad memory or he beat her <laughs> a lot. Um, he did practice karate. Yeah. But <laughs> So another good song that was tearing up the billboards <laughs> that starts out with a motorcycle crash in the music video is uh, I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy. Another another these are on the charts at the same time both music videos start out with a motorcycle wreck. I'm still I'm still reeling from the fact that Flubber beat Alien out yeah, Flubber, Flubber was number one in November of ninety-seven. Yeah, that's amazing. What a great movie. Yeah. Is it amazing? Is that a, is that really a surprise? Yep. Nope. <laughs> so I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy is right behind Tony Braxton, as was hypnotized by the notorious B.I.G., the very man that I'll Be Missing You was being performed in memory of. Uh-huh. So that's kind of interesting that I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy was followed right behind hypnotized by B.I.G. And and, uh, I don't know if anybody that knows this. I I love hip hop. So but if you don't, Puff Daddy was performing, I'll Be Missing You in honor of his best friend or one of his best friends there, the notorious B.I.G.
0: That's so sad. So let's give a moment for him.
1: Okay. there it is. There it is. Beautiful. In my opinion, the Puff Daddy version of I'll Be Missing You is objectively better than the 1983 Police version in which that and that was called "Every Breath You Take," but hmm. yeah. But I mean, that being said, that's enough of the shallow music that lacked substance from <laughs> 1997. Because also on the charts was Mbop Bop" by oh. Hanson, oh, as really? well as "Wanna Be" by Spice Girls. Two quality ones.
0: Uh, I might have mentioned this already, but I was engaged to a girl at one point in the late 1900s and she was a clogger and i used to go and watch her clog and she had a whole series of clogging episodes i guess that you would call them where they just did um spice girls songs oh it's got i think it's got hives
1: i think that if literally anybody else on earth had told me that i would be shocked <laughs> but you were did you say you were engaged yeah You were engaged to a Spice Girls tribute clogger. (laughs)
0: Well, when you put it that way, kind of makes me sound weird.
1: You know, that's more embarrassing than if she was just in a Spice Girl cover band. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely a lot sweatier. Spice Girl cover clogger. That's what you were.
0: Yep. So <laughs> tell me what you want.
1: Lots. Which was your favorite Spice Girl op? Um, I liked Itchy. That one. Itchy. And yeah, no. that? I think that was Janice Joplin. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know their names. I don't either. That's why I, I say the one that I liked was Emo Spice.
0: Oh, I uh, know which one. I think, actually, I do know one. Uh, soccer Wife Spice. Okay.
1: That one. Yeah, Emo Spice. I like the one that I always wore the black dresses and yeah. the dark hair. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Emo Spice or Soccer Wife Spice. Guilty confession. Back to back to Hanson. <laughs> uh, sometimes bop, like, randomly gets stuck in my head. And it makes me very angry. I'll be at like a funeral or something, standing at the (laughs) the casket, looking at the the dead face of somebody that I love, and in my head I'll be like, "Mm bop, 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 mm
0: bop, Uh, see, yeah. You want
1: to reach out and bop him on the nose? (laughs) (laughs) See you later,
0: Mm bop. <laughs> uh Hansen is on a short list of of artists where I'm like, man, they're exceptionally talented, but I've like listened to none of their music. You know?
1: Are they talented?
0: i uh, yeah. I are like they? To think I like to think they are. I think so. They're like Sil Silver Chair, you know, like from that band. Do you remember Silver Chair?
1: I do not never heard of them. This is the first time I've ever heard of them.
0: They're Australian uh like rock band. A uh, three-member rock band, like Tool. And, uh, uh, nope, nope. Tool has four members. Never mind. I
1: digress. So anyway, Silverchair. Look it up. Pretty good. Okay. So, like I said, we're in November of 1997. The location is Bradenton, Manatee County, Florida. And Florida. Uh, I did a little research on this place. And it's primarily what? Kind of boring. Um, but that being said... Mo- Even though this place is primarily pale, everybody in the story is black. Interesting. Okay. Only 70% of Brattenton is black, uh, and this story takes place in the, in the black part of town. So what I'm saying is there's more Puff Daddy going on over here than Hanson. There's okay. more uh, Tony Braxton than Spice Girls. Okay. Uh, get mad at me if you want to, but email and tell me just one of your black friends that was into Hanson. Just <laughs> one of them. Email me one of Your black friends that was into Hanson uh, into this band of three white kids that are like 11, 15, and 17 <laughs> whining about their problems in upper class <laughs> suburbia. Please tell me one of your black friends that was into Hanson, uh. anyways. <laughs>
0: I'm having a hard time because you kind of sound like what's that? What's that one talk show host that like everybody's banned? What's his name?
1: He's always talking about the globalists. Alex Jones.
0: Yeah. Man, the water's turning the frogs gay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, kind of, you kind of sound like him right now.
1: <laughs> and he's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, I listen to Alex Jones. I lo- I love listening to him, but uh, I listen to Alex Jones. As like a a, a a
0: comedy routine. A comedy <laughs> routine. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of
1: fun to listen to. Anyways, November 19th, 1997, 11 a.m. A Bradenton City worker who is clearing trash from the rocky shore along the Manatee River finds a dismembered hand. Now, obviously, he's in shock. He calls the police. And although the hand is like super waterlogged, It was in near perfect condition considering it wasn't attached to its owner. Yeah. And they could clearly see the police could upon arriving that uh, it was moved. It was removed with like surgical precision Hmm. at the wrist. Interesting. And it was that of a black male. Like I said, this is the black part of town. This is highly likely that it's going to belong. The owner is of, is dark.
0: Now I'm seeing the connection. Black. You were talking about black part of town. Anson and son hands off oh, no yeah
1: was that off. was all yes so anyways, the police immediately assumed that it was either from a murder victim or somebody somewhere is currently sad that they will never open a jar of jelly without help again <laughs> so uh, safe to say this is probably a murder victim, right Yeah, that's what I would assume as a police officer. I would. Uh, And that reminds me, actually, there's a documentary on Hulu called Autopsy Six Secrets of the Dead. And uh, they cover this story in the beginning of that. And they're interviewing Brattenton Police Department Captain Jeffrey J. Lewis about him coming up on this hand laying on the shore. And uh, the first thing he says, and you could tell he was like driving right to be interviewed to this. And he was like, going over, like, what am I going to say? I've got to have like a thing that I say that'll make <laughs> this. Oh, I've got it. I know what I'm going to say. This is going to be so like, this is a zinger. What Bradenton Police Department Captain Jeffrey J. Lewis says is he goes, quote, as I'm standing there looking at this hand, the first thing that comes to my mind is somebody got their hand caught in the cookie jar and they paid the price. Oh my gosh. That's a dumb joke. I hate dumb jokes. I love Gallows humor. It's my favorite humor on earth. But oh, the humor so part so important. It's so important. Yeah. You know in his head he was he he thought that. He thought he looked like the guy in CSI. You know how they always yeah. like have that part when they find the body and the guy says something and then takes his glasses off halfway through <laughs> and finishes like in his head. That's what he looked like. He's he think, he's like he walked up to the hand. He looked down at it. He goes, "Looks like somebody removes his glasses." Got their hand caught in the cookie jar. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> who credits. I That's exactly who I was thinking <laughs> of when you said that. That
0: redheaded guy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh, Anyways. Man. So they got this hand. It's washed up at the sh- on the shore. The Bradenton police, hoping, to, hoping that they could fish out the rest of the body from the Manatee River. They start combing it by foot, boat, jet ski, and helicopter. Now, it's important to point out that the Manatee River is home to both sharks and alligators. So the Manatee River is pretty much just demon soup. <laughs> sharks and alligators... I didn't even know those two things were allowed to exist on the same turf. Fuck Florida, man. Imagine being a tourist and thinking, oh, I'll take a dip in this. And then an alligator pulls you out from the shore and you escape at last moment, missing one of your legs. And as you're desperately kicking yourself back to the shore, the Lord sends in the fucking sharks. Fuck Florida, man. I didn't even know those two things were allowed to be in the same area. I didn't either. Surf and turf. So the hand is sent to the fingerprint division of the Manatee County Sheriff's Department. And uh, what they need to lift a fingerprint fingerprint from it. But there's a problem up. It's like I said, it's badly waterlogged. And getting a print off this is proving to be super difficult because of how wrinkly and decomposed it is. Hmm. I would imagine. So after seven months of work and being taken in and out of this fridge. Investigators still haven't been able to identify it. And then in June of 1998, sorry, you said 19, did you say Philadelphia? Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, did I you literally say,
1: said nothing about Philadelphia.
0: Said 1998 though. I was. just, Were you? Were, were you, I you said referring June 1998? Yes. Oh, I thought you said. Oh, sorry. I thought you were. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the 1998 one C wide AMBM regular strike penny fucking... Yeah. Did you know no, it that... Wasn't. I wasn't. It, well, okay. It was minted in Philadelphia. I... Still talk. Keep this talking. one's amazing because it's 1998, which probably everybody has in their pocket. However, if you have a 1998 double strike where the A and the M are in America, United States of America, that AM look funny, yeah. that could be worth thousands of dollars. And there are tons of them. Wow. So... Get out your 98 pennies, folks. And not just in Philadelphia. I mean, that's just where it was minted. These things are everywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Wow. It's crazy out there. That is. That's wild. So
0: wait. So they're everywhere. Just like sharks and alligators.
1: (laughs) Uh, My throat hurts. (laughs) Yeah. Was it June? 1998 what we were talking about.
0: Philadelphia. I, thought, uh, I said, you said, sharks. And then we had that really cool. Conference. Oh, yeah.
1: June 1998. Yeah. Because the outer layer of the skin was beginning to slip due to decomposition. Now it's, you know what slippages up? Yeah. What is it? There's an ointment for it. That's all I'll say. So it's when the outer layer of the decomposition gets to the point where the outer layer of skin Starts separating from the inner layer and it just kind of starts coming off, right? Like a, you ever had like a, a rotten peach? Yeah. Yeah. How the skin comes off real easy on a rotten peach. Mm Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of what a decomposition does. But because this, this hand is starting to, to, to have some slippage. One of the forensic specialists just cuts one of the fingers off. Uh Oh, he cuts a finger off. They're still trying to get a usable print from this thing. So he cuts, he just chops the finger off, and then he peels the outer layer of skin off this finger. And then what he has now is essentially a little all-natural, locally sourced, free-range finger condom made of skin.
0: Oh, so that slippage you're talking about where the separation of the epidermis
1: the underlying dermis. That's right. Yes. Okay. This guy then simply slipped that decomposing finger condom over his own finger. Oh. And then was able to get a perfect fingerprint. Oh, smart
0: guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet you that's not where that story ended, though. That's just what he told everybody.
1: Yeah, you know there were shenanigans with that. There, After there they were. lifted the print, he was probably walking around, like, pushing it to people's lips while they were talking and going, shh.
0: Like, as <laughs> exactly. a joke, because these people
1: all have gallows humor. Yeah. And they all laughed about it when he pushed it to their lips, and then they fucked or whatever. I don't know how forensic labs work. <laughs> I could
0: just see he puts the non-slippage finger up. They're like, does this one smell different than this one? (laughs) And he just keeps doing that to everybody in the office. And then he wipes it across like Sandy's creme brulee that says Sandy in the refrigerator. It's like, screw you and your creme brulee, Sandy. Wipes it across the top and then she eats it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'll laugh. Well, this print was ran through the automated fingerprint identification system there at Manatee County Sheriff's Department. And that system contained over 100, 150,000 fingerprints from past arrest in Florida. Ooh. Now, you would probably think, well, this takes a while, right? But in a matter of minutes, minutes, the system got a hit. The fin- The hand that they had found on the, on the uh, shore of the Manatee River belonged to a man with a very minor police record. A man by the name of Willie Suttle. The problem, however, was that Willie Suttle had died of natural causes in June of 1997. What? Yes. This hand was found in November of 97. Willie Suttle had died of natural causes in June of 97. What? It does kind of piss me off that this Windows 95 program can single out a fingerprint in two minutes on a massive database, but my fucking MacBook Pro. Can't do the simplest of tasks without me needing to contact Apple. I agree. Also, what's with GIFs? Like, everything else loads
0: fast on a computer except GIFs. Yeah. Like, Wheel of Death for, like,
1: seven minutes just to watch some kid get scared of a cat. You can load a, an HD three-hour Michael Bay movie. Yeah, instant. But a instant- GIF, like, that- almost shut your computer down. Exactly. It's the weirdest thing. Or a GIF, as I call it.
0: Yeah, that well, it's graphical image format. So people that say GIF, I don't know. Do you say giraffical? No, you don't. No, you don't. I do. You might.
1: Now, like I said, Willie Suttle had died June 24th of 1997 and had been buried a few days later on July 2nd. This means Willie Suttle's hand had washed up on the shore of the Manatee River Five months after he had been buried. Weird. Now, question: uh,
0: am I going to ruin anything if I ask the question, did he die with
1: his hand? You are not going to ruin anything because he did die with his hand. Whoa. Weird. Weird. He did die with his hand. Yep. Now, take a little side. No, it's not a side road. This is actually directly related to the story. I just want to point out that Willie subtle is a hard man to track down and figure out. Mm. Um, I did a lot of research trying to find old Willie subtle in history. It seems that in his 70 years on earth, he stayed out of the limelight almost entirely. If he got in any trouble, it was extremely minor. If he did anything outside of the ordinary, it was extremely minor. He left basically no trace of existence whatsoever on human records aside from dying. Mm. Now, that being said, uh, this is what I dug up after scouring through old Florida newspapers for a whole damn day. Willie Suttle was born around 1927.
0: Yeah. 1927, $1 piece dollar goes for $780 now.
1: Fucking, I I don't care. I don't care. (sighs) Wanted to say that. This is episode, I believe, 27. 27 episodes. I don't care. Huh. Well, there are other coins
0: in 1927 that you might... I bet
1: there are. Didn't know you have such an opinion on the peace dollar. I'm feeling grouchy today, Op. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't mean that. I care. I love your coin pack. I
0: was say, it's a peace dollar. It's hard to get mad at a peace dollar. Yeah, I don't care.
1: Okay. Yeah. <sighs> it's my favorite part of the podcast is learning about coins. And <laughs> I take that back. I'm just, I don't feel good. I understand. I'm sorry. It's all right. I understand. We all get that way. Willie Suttle had a daughter by the name of Tina Brown in 1968 when he was 41 years old. Now, the mother of Tina Brown uh, is never listed. No clue if Willie Suttle and the woman were married or dating or if it was just a one night stand. He did work as a garbage collector for Palmetto, Florida. Maybe
0: his relationship with the woman was just offhand (laughs) relationship. The
1: hand. Yeah, offhand. He has his hand throughout all of this.
0: Does he though?
1: <sighs> well, we never know. We do know. We we know. Yeah, but did we he know. have it in a bag or just you know. No, he had it was attached. Ugh. Maybe. No, absolutely. Look, I
0: understand you're not in a good mood, so I sorry for my offhanded comment.
1: He said it again, his equally mysterious daughter, Tina, eventually married an equally mysterious man named Ron Peterman. This whole damn family has mastered the art of flying under the radar and staying out of the newspapers almost entirely. I can't find a single sliver of their existence for the most part. Uh, It's, it's impressive. It's like they were all spies. That's crazy. So we do know Willie was a garbage collector in Palmetto, Florida, and we do know that Willie died of natural causes at 70 years old on June 24th, 1997. He was then buried in an unmarked grave on July 2nd at the new Memphis cemetery in Palmetto. The new Memphis cemetery in Palmetto was a burial ground for, uh, the poor and or homeless. Mm. So, uh, we do know just by logic that Willie wasn't rolling in the dough. He was, um,
0: Probably subsisting on handouts.
1: Yes. Yeah. Fucker. Yes. (sighs) I pray to God that that's not only it's not all. I got more. I know you do. So Willie was poor. He died poor. He was a garbage collector. He died June 24th, 97 buried in an unmarked grave July 2nd. So how the hell did his hand wash up on the beach? Uh, five months later, if he had a funeral and everything, the police go, naturally, as you would. They go to Willie Settle's grave, which was located at the New Memphis Cemetery, expecting to find disturbed ground. But they find the opposite op. Willie Settle's gravesite was completely undisturbed. Fresh grass was flourishing on top. Not a single shovel of dirt had been moved since his burial. Whoa.
0: Yeah, I thought this was going to be a short
1: case where you're like, surprise, somebody dug him up. Nobody had dug Willie Suttle up. Hmm. June 26, 1998. Almost a year to the day, Willie Suttle is exhumed. And that's a fancy word for digging a dead person up. Yep. And at 1054 a.m., the dark green body bag that Willie had been laying in sees light for the first time in almost a year to the day after being pulled from a rotting, thick cardboard box buried in a shallow grave. A cardboard box, op, that's what they bury poor and homeless people in. For the love of God, at least bury the man in an old broken deep freeze or something. Like, yeah. Cardboard box just seems disrespectful. At least it was that thick cardboard, though. It's the real thick cardboard, right? Uh, that things like Ikea furniture are shipped in.
0: Yeah. The they didn't just wall. bury him
1: in like an oversized Amazon box.
0: Right. It's sad though. Like I order things on Amazon and sometimes they show up on a wooden crate. <laughs> Can't even put a human in one though. Shipping's too high.
1: Well, you should have when, when those come up on those wooden crates, you should go in the house and ask somebody to give you a hand.
0: <laughs> and I do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I see what you did. Once the body bag was moved back to the autopsy lab, it was opened, and inside op, there were more questions than answers. First and foremost, Willie had been decomposing at this point for a year. Uh, So it was Willie subtle soup. That's what was really in the body bag. All the, everything was contained though, in this bag, but the orange biohazard organ bag that is filled with all the innards, Mm -hmm. And everybody gets this, you're going to, if you're the listener, if you're not getting cremated, this, you're going to get this treatment too. At one point, all of everything that is on your inside right now is going to be eventually in an orange biohazard bag. So that's, that's exciting. Yeah. It's fun to to know that's in your future. Yeah. So what they typically do is they take all these insides out, all your innards, your intestines, your heart, your lungs, everything. And it goes in an orange biohazard bag. And then what they do up is they just shove that bag inside your chest cavity and cover it with the breastplate. Hmm. And then you rot. Know. You spend the rest of eternity rotting with that orange bag full of your guts and everything inside your chest. Seems uncomfortable. That's fun. <laughs> but like I said, you know, typically that's, that's put inside your chest cavity and then mm-hmm. the breastplate goes over it. And then you get sewn shut. Hmm. In Willie subtle's case this orange biohazard bag filled with his organs was laying between his feet. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe it's more work to, you know, bag up the
0: guts and then sew you up. Maybe they were just like, let's take the short
1: way home. Maybe. On this. Maybe there wasn't room yeah. for the bag. Maybe. Maybe something else is there. Oh. Ooh. His left wrist was wrapped in duct tape and his hand was missing. I'm glad to know that. Otherwise, I was gonna get really creeped out. Yeah, he he had grown an extra hand, an extra left hand out of his asshole, and the embalmer had been like, "We, what is this doing here? We don't need this." Trying to <laughs> save face for Willie Subtle. I was
0: thinking more like a kind of creepy Stephen King thing, where there's another Willie Subtle <laughs> out there walking around.
1: Now his left hand was missing, and, and the stub was wrapped in gray duct tape. Okay. The corpse is then x-rayed, so they haven't cracked him open yet. They, they x-ray him, and inside, investigators are confused to find a dozen little metal pins on the screen in the stomach and chest cavity. So they do the x-ray, and then what comes up on the x-ray screen, what they can see is a bunch of little metal pins. So hmm. they're like, well, we got to crack them open. Weird. At this point, the original autopsy incision is cut open. And Willie Suttle's stomach and chest cavity cracks open like a giant, rotten, smelly, African-American coconut. Oof. Mmm, bop. Bop, (laughs) bop. Mmm, bop. Ugh. Inside Willie's corpse op, 12 little handmade dolls are having a sleepover. What? That's right. (laughs) Dolls. What? I feel like, wh- did you write this? Is this like a choose your own adventure? This is a 1,000,000% true. You can look it up. The newspapers <laughs> were all over this story in the 90s.
0: What?
1: That's why I called it Willie Subtle spills his guts. I'm so confused right now. Voodoo dolls apparently op. Oh. Because on the back of all these little dolls is a note attached with a small metal pin. And each note had a name and a curse on it, and each doll represented a person in the local area. The curse was supposed to call upon the Haitian spirit, Dembala, who is often portrayed as a serpent with a human head. Now, Dembella was to kill each of the people on these notes. Mm. The names on the dolls included Carlos Jones, Clyde Chandler Jr., Richard Woody, mm. Jimmy Lee Clark. Did you just giggle at Woody? Did you just <gasps> fucking, like a middle schooler, did you just giggle at Woody? I didn't just giggle at Woody. His name is Dick Woody. Richard
0: Woody. <laughs> okay, that is kind of funny. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cla- I'll, I'll give you that.
1: I'm the same page on that one. And uh, another one of the names, Florencentine Green. Now, to give you an example of the kind of writing that was on the back of these little voodoo dolls with names attached, uh, this is the one that was written for uh, Richard Woody, Dick Woody, (laughs) that you just giggled at. It said on the note, quote, be gone and may you rot in the grave, Richard Woody. Dumballa, curse him as I curse him and spoil him as I spoil him by the fire at night, unquote. Wow. Yikes. I, give you, I want to hit you with a fun fact, op. Hey, Dumbella is the voodoo spirit that dying serial killer Charles Lee Ray calls upon to possess the Chucky doll in the Child's Play movies. Really?
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people, that's what, you know what? Everybody thinks that the Child's Play movies are just about this killer doll. The Child's Play movies are a ghost story because Chucky is possessed by a serial killer called Charles Lee Ray. Ah, oh, see and I didn't in the know first that. movie, he gets caught shot by a police officer, and as he lay there dying in the toy store, he possesses the doll, so it's a ghost story. Huh. I need to go back and watch those uh, I used to jokingly say the the turkey curse randomly at school when I was a kid, like <laughs> and it's I do a corset la. that's <laughs> but uh, I had no clue at the time that I was accidentally summoning. An ancient Haitian serpent spirit deity,
0: yeah, and then all of a sudden there's a tornado that stays on the ground for like forty two miles through your state, so you yeah. might want to get a list of the names
1: I want to <laughs> look that up, wow, now obviously, and fair enough, detectives now assumed they were looking for somebody that apparently believed in black magic and and black magic is only taught at the at the african American Hogwarts. <laughs> so it's awesome.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So like I said, when Willie Suttle had passed, he had no money for a regular burial and nor did his daughter, Tina Brown. Um, this is a very unfortunate family. And what happens when this happens, when somebody passes, at least here in this area in Bradenton, Florida, is uh, several local funeral homes, they take turns taking care of cases like this. They're kind of mm. in grants They have an agreement. I'll take it this week. You take it. Blah blah, blah, blah. Mm. That being said, the funeral parlor responsible for Willie Suttle's body was called Green's Funeral Home, and that was located at 1015 11th Street. Um, and that is now, today, a leveled lot. It is mm. no longer in existence, if that tells you anything, about yeah. uh, where this is going. Mm-hmm. police knew for a fact that Willie Suttle had all of his appendages when he left the medical examiner's office to be delivered to green's funeral home. You don't need Dick Tracy to figure this out. If Willie Suttle had both of his hands when he left the medical examiner's office and he hadn't been disturbed since burial that narrows it down. Doesn't it up? Yep. It's Dick Woody. Dick Woody did not do this. He's mm-hmm. one of the victims in Willie. Dick Woody's name was written on a doll that was just thrust inside his chest cavity. Apparently. What I'm saying is, it narrows it down. It means that Willie Suttle had been tinkered with at Green's funeral home. Hmm. Okay.
0: I see where you're going.
1: Now, Green's funeral home was ran and operated by a big, sassy black woman by the name of Paula Green out Britain. Why did they call her Green? Green was her maiden name. Oh. She was married to a man with the last name Albritton. Okay. Let's dig into her guts a little bit now, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Paula Green Albritton was born March 27th, 1953 to Pasco Green Sr. and Vivian Green. Now, her parents had moved to Bradenton, Florida from New York City in 1952 because they had dreams, very American dreams, of starting a funeral home. Yeah, so they're thinking we're going to move to this small town here in Florida. We'll start a funeral home, give our kids a a good life. In 1959, Paula's parents gave birth to her one and only sibling, a sister by the name of Florentine. Does that name sound familiar? Oh, she was on the list. She was on the list. Paula is six years old when Florentine is born. Now, uh, according to all counts, Paula Green out Britain had fantastic parents. Pasco Green, Senior, and Vivian Green were were great parents, loving parents. They they were they seemed to be very middle class. I seen a picture of their house, very nice little simple house. They were taken to church every time the doors were open. Um, her parents were very religious Christians. And she just seems to have a very American childhood. Just a good childhood, good parents. Good. December eighth, nineteen sixty six, my birthday. Not the 1966 part, but the December 8 part. Green's funeral home at 10:15, 11th Street is founded by Pasco Green and is a huge success for many years. So Green's funeral home was opened in 66 and the, and their their American dream is uh, is is reality now. So Paula Green is growing up in this good household. Her parents don't run a funeral home. Uh, she graduates from Riverview High School in 1971, and in 1975, 22-year-old Paula marries a man by the name of Jimmy Lee Clark. Does that name sound familiar, up?
0: I was just looking to see if his name was on the list as well. Jimmy Lee Clark. Jimmy.
1: Yep, his name's on the list as well. Oh, and <laughs> in 1976, 23-year-old Paula gives birth to her. Her son, Jimmy Lee Clark Jr., who is not, is on, the not on the list, not right. on the list. And you'll see why here in a minute. Okay. February 8th, 1982, Pasco Green passes away and his wife Vivian takes over. So uh, Paula's dad dies in 1982, leaving the family business to Vivian, her mother. Okay. wonder if she processed Pasco. That's a good question. Probably. I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Monday, October 14th, 1991. Paula and Jimmy Lee Clark get a divorce after 15 years of marriage. So in 91, after 15 years of marriage, Paula Green divorces her husband, her first husband Jimmy Lee Clark. Okay. Now in between all this, after after Vivian takes over, business kind of starts leveling out. Um, At the at the funeral home, it's no longer growing, maybe even dropping a little bit,
0: which is I always find curious because it's not like
1: less people were dying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. If you can't f- keep a funeral home operating, you need to get your ass out of the business. That profession <laughs> has more job security than porn. <laughs> <laughs> there are only two absolutes in this fucking world. up, People will always masturbate and people will always die.
0: Yes, that's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, that 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 would be maybe the quality, the level of quality of her work wasn't quite. Uh, people saw it, too, after Pasco passed. Yeah. You know, people saw his open casket and saw that she, you know, her spackling wasn't quite up to par. People are like, She's, oh, no,
1: this is going to go downhill. Like people come in there with bullet wounds in their head and she just rubs Play-Doh in it, spray paints it. <laughs> Or
0: or just decorates around it like it was supposed to
1: be there. (laughs) She just puts a flower in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) That'll do. Slaps a little two by two inch slab of duct tape on it. (laughs) Flex seal. (laughs) She has a whole drawer of buttons like
0: push buttons. So she just covers holes with push buttons. So it makes the it an interactive experience. When you go up to the casket, you just, Ooga! Ooga!
1: <laughs> they're all in cardboard boxes. <laughs> Willie yeah, Settle Wasn't even a, that wasn't because he was poor. That's just what she does. <laughs> yeah. You got the greens. If you want to be buried in a cardboard box, that's, that's the only option they have, but you could, if you for 20 extra dollars, uh, Vivian will draw flowers on the side of it with a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian was here.
0: That's awesome. It's terrible. It's probably true.
1: So like I said, business starts leveling out here at Green's. Uh, and and in this time, Paula Green marries a man by the name of Eugene Britton, And that's where wow. she gets... Paula Green Albritton from not on the list. He is not. They're still married to this day. So she marries Eugene Albritton. And then in January 1993, 11 years after her father, Pascal dies then 40 year old Paula Green Albritton takes over as general manager of green's funeral home because Vivian becomes uh, ill. I could never find out what it was that Vivian was kind of stricken with. Um, I don't know if it was like cancer or or what? The i don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, Vivian has to kind of retire, and it's at that point that Paula Albritton takes over as the general manager of the funeral home. Okay. And after Paula takes over, business starts really declining, hmm. so it starts rapidly dropping. And by 1997, so Paula had been in charge for uh, four years now. Green's funeral home is on the brink of being forced to shut down. Shut down because of the stack of past due bills. So they're in the hole huge in this, this funeral home is tanking. Okay. Now let's get back to the names that were on these dolls. Up, All right. Keep in mind. Green's funeral home is tanking, right? Yes. Names on the dolls included Carlos Jones, who just so happened to be the owner of Jones funeral home in Sarasota. Hmm. Another name on the doll. Claude Chandler Jr., who just so happened to be the owner of Chandler Chandler's Funeral Home in Sarasota. Seeing the pattern here, another name neighbors. on the doll: Richard Woody or Dick Woody, as as you would call it, that made you giggle. Yeah, he was the owner of a Westside Funeral Home in Palmetto. It's crazy how three of the names on the dolls were competitors in the business that she ran. Uh, that was tanking. Isn't isn't that ironic? That's
0: what I was starting to. Well, I technically, I, when you started the list, I was like, oh, all these names start with C. But then you said Richard Woody. And so now the funeral home thing makes
1: more sense. Also on there, Jimmy Lee Clark, her ex-husband, Paula's ex-husband. Okay. Also on there, Florence and Teen Green, who just so happened to be her sister. Weird. June 26, 1998 at 4.30 p.m., the very day that the same this now this happened on the same day Willie was exhumed uh, just a few hours, actually, after he had spilled his guts to investigators. <laughs> Paula Green, out Britton is brought in for questioning by the Brattonton Police Department. Naturally, this is a pretty close open, open and shut case. Paula, hey. albritton confesses to desecrating Willie Suttles corpse in an attempt to pull off what she called the helping hand voodoo curse. And that curse is supposed to call upon the deity Dambella to kill off her enemies. Now, if the curse had worked, as those dolls slowly rotted inside Willie Settle's corpse, so would the enemies named upon those dolls. Oh, She also admitted to getting her son, who was then 22 years old, Jimmy Lee Clark Jr., to cut off and dispose of Willie Settle's hand.
0: Interesting. So basically the dolls hadn't started to, 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 decay yet because the time frame.
1: they were decayed a little bit. Yeah. They were really gross. There's pictures. You can look at, you can top in Willie subtle, uh, Paula Britton. just top in the case, uh, on, on actually, you know, more than anything, I would say, watch the, uh, the little documentary about this. It's like eight minutes long on Hulu. It's called autopsy six, uh, secrets of the dead. And mm. the Willie Subtle case here is the first one that comes up. So okay. uh, you'll see all the pictures. They even show his exhumed body and everything in it. So, mm. yuck, I'm there. Wednesday, July 15th, 1998. On a cloudy, raining morning, the remains of Willie Subtle are returned to their resting place. there in the new Memphis Cemetery. The only two people there to witness his reburial was his daughter, Tina, and her husband, Ron Peterman. Sad. In March of 1999, Paula Green Albritton and her 23-year-old son, Jimmy Lee Clark Jr., are convicted of desecrating a body, which is a second-degree felony. But in December of the year 2000, all the charges against Paula Green Albritton are dropped due to the fact that when she was being interrogated, the interrogator told Paula that if she admitted to the fact that this was a religious ceremony, she would do no time because it wouldn't be illegal if that were the case. Mm. So, because of a uh, a loophole, Paula Greenow Britton gets out of charges completely. All charges are dropped against her, but her son Jimmy Lee Clark Jr. does serve one year in jail for desecrating a corpse.
0: It's a long sentence. Or
1: we've, I think we've talked
0: about this though, right? Like, I don't know why I don't have much of a problem with people desecrating corpses. I'm just like, <laughs> ah, they were dead already. <laughs> Who cares?
1: <laughs> But. Might have something to do with the fact that you river danced on one in the ocean <laughs> at one point.
0: That's true. That's true. I have a bit of a different.
1: What episode was that on so that I didn't just make that reference and people wondering, like, what what was he talking about?
0: That was the one where you, you led with the question,
1: have, have ever I ever found a dead body? Found a dead body. Yeah. So yeah. what episode would that be?
0: That would have been, well, I think we've done everything alphabetically, right? So have you ever done an H? So, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, episode eight, maybe?
1: No? No. (laughs) No, none of that. Like, none of it is true. Not even one word of everything you just said. What episode (laughs) would be, what did we do where we would be talking about somebody finding a dead body?
0: I can find it really quick. Um, Watch this. Show my mad skills here.
1: dude. Would it be uh, the Ed Gein episode? Oh, no, no. No, no. It would be Elmer McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy. Yes. Yep. You're right. The Traveling Corpse. Yep. So that's the episode. If you want to know what I'm talking about with Op dancing on a dead body in the ocean, <laughs> just listen to The Traveling Corpse. Uh, What a memory. On July 13th, 2002, Vivian Green, Paula's mother, dies of natural causes at 75 years old. And ironically... Her funeral is carried out by Carlos Jones at Jones Funeral Home, the very man <laughs> that had been on one of Paula's voodoo dolls. <laughs> but um
0: bump, wow, that's a way to that's a way to go. So maybe
1: maybe you're wondering, maybe the listeners are wondering if the curse worked at all, maybe even a little bit. Yeah, uh, and I was wondering that too. So I I I did a a check on uh, everybody involved, everybody that was cursed by Paula Albritton, twenty four years now uh, or. Yeah, 24 years later. Jones Funeral Home, Chandler's Funeral Home, and Westside Funeral Home are all still in business to this day of getting the dead all fucking flossy. They're doing well. They're doing That's well. good to know. I'm encouraged by that. Now, that being said, Richard Woody, who was named on one of the dolls and was the owner of Chandler's Funeral Home, did pass away just two weeks ago. Oh. From today, two weeks ago. So he passed away uh, very, very, very recently. And that was 24 years after the curse. So Richard Woody died 24 years after the curse. If the curse had anything to do with it, it's the most slow acting curse of all time. And honestly, not worth the trouble.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, black magic, voodoo, in my mind, the jury's still out. Like, I know there's some stuff out there that when it happens, you're like, wow, that does not seem natural. Like, what was that whole movie that was made that talked about, you know, when they'd inject those people and it seems like they're dead, then they come back to life? Serpent in the Rainbow. Serpent in the Rainbow.
1: Ooh. I've never seen that one. It's creepy, man. It's creepy. The Serpent in the Rainbow.
0: Serpent in the Rainbow. And that's actually a substance that you can be injected with. And you, for all, I mean, by by all signs, you're dead. So they bury you. And then you come back to life.
1: Okay. It's check that out.
0: Yeah. Ugh.
1: Paula's sister Florence is still very much alive and well. She's doing well, so the curse had no effect on her. Hey. Jimmy Lee Clark, Paula's ex husband Paula's ex husband, died seven years after the curse on November twenty second, two thousand four, at the ripe old age of seventy seven. Um unlikely the curse and his death are related, I would argue, considering it was seven years later. So uh, what I'm saying. It appears that Paula Green Albritton was just as bad at voodoo as she was at hairstyling. I wanted to save that bit for last because if you look up a picture of her, her hair stays unbelievably consistent. No matter what year or age you see Paula Albritton at, it looks like a moose has taken a huge shit directly on top of her head. (laughs) She just takes all her hair and piles it up on top like Marge Simpson. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Type in Paula Albritton. Right now on Google, I want you to see this in real time.
0: I'm going to do it. Paula Albritton Google image search. Oh, you're not kidding. Wow. Man, it looks like a moose poop. A moose poop. Yeah. That's impressive that she right can on do that. Wow. There's also a lot of people named Paula Albritton on LinkedIn that are not her. But but yeah, that's a, that's a heavy. Oh, and there's the dolls. There's the dolls. Yep. They are in impressively good shape for being in a cavity of a rotting corpse. Yeah.
1: Weird. That's where we call it off. That's the story of Willie subtle, Paula Albritton and her voodoo servant Dembala or lack thereof. It doesn't seem he had anything to do with this case. A little bit shorter, maybe than usual. It looks like we're coming up on uh, an hour and hour and 20 minutes, but don't worry. Next episode. Is going to be uh, a wild one, and it's going to be uh, much, much longer.
0: Well, you're also, you're under the weather, so we'll give you a, a pass. I am, yes. Well, I'm looking forward to the next one. This one was fun. I, I, uh, Yeah, so I guess, you know, a takeaway would be if you're going to get into voodoo, maybe skip Dembala. Find a heavier hitter.
1: Yeah, actually, I, you know, I looked up, I spent a lot of time looking up voodoo, Haitian voodoo. Um, and yeah. dembala uh, traditionally i don't know if paula albritton is aware of this but dembala traditionally is a much more positive spirit um he's supposed to be calm cool collected loving um i don't know why she would call upon dembala um yeah. for for negative things anyway swinging well, and a miss there paula even though he does have uh, the body of a serpent and the head of a man uh, that that seems kind of scary but um, yeah his personality and his body top are two different things. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: Pick another one. Maybe she just, she ran out of time in the library or something.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there are, I'll touch on it. She did as, as the trial or as things went on, she did try to throw her son, Jimmy Lee Clark Jr. under the bus and say he did all of it. And she was admitting to that to try to cover for him you know, she wasn't a a voodooist and that he, cause her son had schizo, he was taking medication for schizophrenia, Mm. but I believe kind of, I believe that that's bullshit because of the names on the dolls. You
0: know, that would be, I've thought about it before. That would be one of the hardest things to walk off is you have nothing to do with a murder, let's say. And then suddenly you find it. They're like, Hey, Hey, did you know, uh, did you know Paula's blaming this whole thing on you? And you're like, what? That would be really hard to walk off. Like, you got to... Was that shithead Paula? <laughs> moose, moose bo Paula?
1: What? <laughs> How's she even... <laughs> yeah. That'd be a hard one. And that's it, Op. All right. Please rate and review TCK. Blah, 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 blah. Bullshit, bullshit. But not bullshit, bullshit. What is more important than us getting ratings reviews? Please donate to Jason Vukovich. And and I will put a link to his commissary and everything um, in the show notes. That's more important than if you're going to do one of those two things. Please donate to Jason Vukovich.
0: Yeah, if you're going to do one of the two things, rate, review Vukovich. If you're going to do one of those two things, do the. I don't feel good. I'll leave me. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll call you tomorrow.
1: Okay. I love you. Nope. (laughs) What? (laughs)